Wow, what a beautiful time of the year. Uh, Christmas. Advent. We're going to light the Advent candles tonight as a part of the service. That's why uh, we haven't lit them so far this morning. And, and I pray that, as the scripture says, that Christ will dwell in your hearts richly. That's so that, so you can have kind of a poverty experience with Jesus where he is not expressing his fullness through you, but his desire is to dwell richly in all of our hearts. And I want to talk to you this morning about that very thing, about Christ being formed in us and how Mary and Joseph were a type of what the Holy Spirit does in the church today. So first of all, we're going to read Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 19. And uh, the scripture says, This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. So she had a plan, and Joseph had a plan. And it didn't include Jesus. They didn't even know about Jesus. You know, in our lives, in the lives of people in the world, we plan our lives, but often people aren't aware of something that God wants to do. He wants to do in their lives, something life-changing. And uh, they had no idea what was about to come. Um, His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. This is not something she could have ever imagined. In fact, she probably wasn't really aware of the, of the present person of the Holy Spirit. She was Jewish, so she knew about the Holy Spirit from the Old Testament, but, but to be made pregnant by the Holy Spirit? Well, it, that hasn't happened to any of us, at least not in this way, but it does happen in another way. Physically, this was for her. This was true for Mary. But it's a type of what was going to be true for all of us. And we'll explain that as we go. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So Joseph was right. As far as he knew, Mary had committed adultery, or they weren't married yet, so it would have been fornication. In any case, as far as he knew, she had a sexual relationship with a man other than himself. And so the law said that he could very easily have publicly exposed her, but he was not going to do that. I guess he really felt love in his heart toward her or didn't want to go that far with it, but he would divorce her, even though they hadn't been married yet. He would put her away privately. He would just basically come and say, Mary, I'm sorry, but you've been with somebody else, and therefore you can't be with me. But what Joseph didn't understand was that somebody else was the Holy Spirit. It was God himself. Now, it's true. When it comes to the message of Christ, there's all kinds of things that we don't understand that people without the knowledge of God in their lives are really uh, perhaps confused about, unaware of, or 
Jesus is just a historical figure or they have different ideas about him. Uh, maybe have different ideas about the church and why we're so fanatical, it seems, when it comes to our attachment to Christ. Uh, so they, they, there's really something yet to understand for so many people in the world. And then moving on to the next two verses. After he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, so he had figured it all out. But then, a messenger, an angel, the Greek word is agalos, which means messenger, appeared to him. And you know, this morning, there's such a, such a, a, a reality that the Holy Spirit wants to just appear to all of us, even if we've been a Christian for a long time, but to appear to us, especially and uniquely, as Jesus is formed in us. And, and the angel said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So Joseph became a type, and so did Mary, of how Christ is formed in us as believers. And that is, in fact, what God wants to do in our lives. He wants to form himself in us. And it's only by the Holy Spirit. It's only the Holy Spirit that can do that. And the Holy Spirit uh, came to Joseph and gave him a message that was, well, out of this world. How could a woman become pregnant by God. Anyway, you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. None of us know just all the processes of the thought life and emotions that Mary and Joseph would have experienced as they went through this marvelous reality. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 20, we pick up from what is the physical in the story of Mary and Joseph to what is the spiritual for us today. And it says, My little children, with whom I am again in, trail, uh, in travail, until Christ is formed in you. I could wish to be present with you now and to change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Now, what... Paul is saying is that he had taught them about not just the new birth, which is rather easy. As far as being saved is concerned, all we have to do is say, Jesus, come into my life. But the difficult part is displacing ourselves as the Lord of our lives and letting Jesus become the Lord of our lives. For Christ to be formed in us, there is a transition that can only take place by the power of the Holy Spirit in us, working through us, and transforming us. Sa saving faith always brings us into the reshaping of our lives, reshaping of our hearts, and reshaping of our minds. 
And this is where the difficulty comes in. This is where the battle begins. This is where the, the wooing of the Spirit to let go of our own willful ways, of our pride, of everything that is evil within us or wants to be evil within us, and to yield ourselves like clay in the potter's hands and let God break down whatever coldness or hardness there might be in our hearts and for Christ to be shaped in us. And Paul says, I'm perplexed about you. I'm perplexed. I, I, I can't figure this out. I've been, we've worked through these principles before and I've seen you grow, but I see you fall back so easily into wanting to have your old religious ways and to fall back into the law. And, and that's a whole other, well, that's actually the theme of the book of Galatians. And that, they, they just weren't content to just totally yield their lives. They wanted to figure it out by religious tradition rather than Christ being formed in them as a rich, spiritual love relationship and an experience that he calls us to today. Well, did you know that pride is the big killer? Letting go of ourselves and releasing ourselves to God is the big challenge. In John chapter 5, verse 44, Jesus said, How can you believe since you accept glory from one another, but do not seek the glory that comes only from God? And so Jesus is saying to his disciples, to his followers, you're always concerned about what other people think of you and, and your praise for each other and vying for position and all the things that are so common to human experience in this world when it comes to how we see ourselves in relationship to others. This tendency to want to ascend, to be approved, to be noticed, to be above, it's, it's such a power, powerful force. And he says, how come you accept glory from one another? Somebody pats you on the back and says, that's the greatest. Man, that was good. You are amazing and stuff. And it's like we become accustomed to seeking for and receiving approval from others. And there's really nothing wrong with that. Unless that's all we seek. And Jesus said, how come you never seek approval that comes from God? Glory that comes from God. And so the big question is, for us as Christians today, as we move forward into the future, into the rest of our lives, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. That we follow the Spirit of Jesus in his relationship to the Father, and we fall into a relationship with Christ where he is Lord. And as the expression goes, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. So there can't be any holdout within us or among us. A church must be given over to yielding to the Holy Spirit and letting Christ be formed in us. Back to that scripture, and I travail until Christ be formed in you. Paul said, my whole mission when it comes to the church and I travail, and he says, I travail again. So it's not just a one thing, time thing. It's over and over and over again as he sees people struggle with the relationship with God and in their yielding to Christ as Lord. He said, I travail until 
Christ is formed in you. It's kind of like what happened with Mary and Joseph when the Holy Spirit had to come or the angel had to come and say, That's, that which is happening in you is from the Holy Spirit. And there's going to be a baby. His name is Jesus. He's the Christ. And physically, he was, in, he was formed in Mary. Spiritually, he wants to do the same thing with all of us. Be formed in us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus. So this is, well, Christ being formed in us and us being formed in him. What does that mean? Positionally and relationally, we become one with Christ. It's not a religious relationship. It's a love relationship. It's an experience that's likened in the Bible of the relationship between a husband and wife that's intimate and wonderful and honoring. And as we are in Christ, Christ is in us. Oh, the amazing story of the Christian experience. The amazing summons of the Holy Spirit to all of us. Come, come, draw near. Not to a manger or a hillside where shepherds are or to a cross or even to an empty tomb. But come to a person, the Lord of glory, who became flesh, who is incarnate through Mary to become a, a baby boy. He who created all the heavens, all the earth, all the constellations. The Bible says by him all things are created. And by him all things hold together. The amazing story of Christ is as much beyond our intellect and understanding as it would have been for Joseph and Mary when the, main, when the angel came and said that Christ was going to be formed in them. Second Corinthians 4.11 For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. So that his life may also be, or may be, also be revealed in our mortal bodies. You see, this, this isn't just a, a trip to the manger or a trip to the altar or a trip to the cross. It's it's like there is a death process. And that's, as I said at the outset, is the, begin, the big struggle. It's the struggle where we have to let go. Where we are called, called and summoned by the Holy Spirit to open every door of our life. <laughs> every closet. And it's like if we open them all but keep one closet door closed and say, God, that's private. You can't go in there. Do you know where he'll go? He'll go to that closet door and say, I stand at the door and knock. Will you open up? And let there be no holdout within your heart or life 
when it comes to your relationship with me. But open it all. I just sense the Lord saying to us right now that for all of us in this room, certainly for, for me, he's, he's just saying that. Open up a little more. Just surrender a little more. Give over a little more of your anxiety and your stress and your worry and your fear. And whatever it might be that is true of you individually or what's true of all of us collectively that is common to the human race that prevents us for whatever reason of letting the Spirit form Christ in us. And, oh, Lord, I pray, I pray that throughout this congregation today and through this Christmas season and in the days to come, that there would be such a formation of Christ in us that, as the Scripture says, even in our mortal bodies, even how we carry ourselves physically and, ask and act in our physical beings, it reveals Jesus. Galatians 2, chapter, chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. You foolish Galatians. Now, Paul might have been advised, if he was a modern pastor, to be schooled in the fine arts of how you talk to people, uh, how you can so easily turn people off, especially if you, if you say you're a bunch of fools. And worse than that, to say, who has bewitched you? Ooh. So imagine coming to church some Sunday morning, and I get up and say, no, I won't even go there. <laughs> All right. And then he says this, before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. And I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? You see, we, we so tend to default back to where we were. That's what the Judaizers were trying to do with the Galatian Christians, bring them back into a legal relationship with God, which really isn't a relationship at all, instead of Christ, Jesus, being received in our hearts by the Holy Spirit's wooing and fashioning and shaping him in us. He says, are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain if it really was in vain? And you know, it's not how we start always, but it's how we finish. In fact, when it's all said and done, as Paul said, I have finished my course, I've fought the fight, I've kept the faith. Marlene referred to that in her sermon at Liz Russell's funeral this week. And, uh, it, it, you know, many people start out with the fire of God in their hearts, and, they, and, and after a while, it tends to flame out. And uh, um, let, me, let me tell you how it works if you're a pilot. Uh, I flew a Cessna, and uh, it didn't have a jet engine. It just had a gas engine, but, so we didn't use the 
the term flame out. We use the term engine failure if the engine quit. But in a modern jetliner, one of the worst things that can happen is that these powerful engines that have the thrust of many thousands of tons, I mean, they are so filled with, and you're up there in the air, 30,000, 40,000 feet, and suddenly, for whatever reason, the engine fails. The term is it flames out. And the pilots are left with no engines, but they can still fly because you can coast. You're going to descend, and in the descent you maintain your airspeed, but you won't last forever. Um, in a Cessna 180 that I flew, at 20,000 feet, I could, I could glide for 35 miles. I don't know what it is in big jets. But you can lose the fire, but still fly. But make no mistake about it, you're heading in the wrong direction. And eventually, you're going to come face to face with the terra firma, the ground. One mother of a pilot said, son, when you're flying, to be safe, fly low and fly slow. And that's the very exact opposite of what is safety. And, and, and the expression is, huh, uh, the, more, the less the firma, the less the terror. So terra firma, whatever. The truth is, as Christians, we can flame out and we can be in glide mode. And if that's where you are today, and, so, and in some ways we all go through that and we might be doing that imperceptibly. We might not even be realizing that, oh, uh, our lives are more about our own interests and our own pride than it is about being shaped and letting Jesus be formed in us. Are you slipping? Are you sliding? Are you in glide mode? And the more you're in glide mode, the greater the distance between yourself and heaven, and the closer the distance between yourself and the earth becomes. Until after a while, we're not flying anymore. And sadly, the landing isn't always safe. It can be a crash landing. Two more scriptures. Galatians chapter 3, verse 5. Uh, so again I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by believing in what you've heard? Why don't we see the miracles of God operating the way the Bible indicates they can and should? Is it because that we've lacked the work of the Spirit or dependency upon the Spirit as he seeks to form Christ in us because where Jesus is, the power of God is. They offered, the Galatian Christians did, they offered the law as a means of enjoying one's pride. This is our religion. And we're proud of it. 
This is my ministry, and I'm proud of it. And this is our church, and we're proud of it. And, and we, we've, we offer the things that we think in some way makes us better or special instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to shape Jesus in us in the way that he wants to. Galatians 4, verse 4 to 6. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons and daughters, and God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. He's already there. He just longs to be Lord. And we cry out, the Spirit, he cries out, Abba, Father, oh God. As Jesus has a relationship with you, Lord God of heaven, the Father, the eternal God of our Father, Lord, so I may I have a relationship with you through your Son, Jesus, by the Spirit. God who sent his son in the fullness of time. What does that mean? Well, it was the time that all the Old Testament prophecies concerning Christ had been fulfilled. It was God's appointed time for Jesus to come, to be born, to be conceived by the Holy Spirit in a virgin, a woman named Mary, who was betrothed to his husband, who had no idea what was happening. It was the appointed time. And so they worked through a process where they come, came to understood that Christ, as, she was, as he was formed in Mary, had a greater purpose. And that is to be formed in the hearts and lives of every person who would receive his gift. And let me say this to you. Today, now, right here, is, is the appointed time for you and for me. It's the time to give our lives fully to Christ and to serve him to love him, and if you don't know him, to receive his love gift for you today. The vision of the church that I'm going to be sharing with you is focused on three things that are absolute essentials for Christ to be formed in us as a body. And I'm just going to throw them up here for a few moments. It's in your bulletin as well. Vision 2019, the Word, that's the Bible, the Scriptures, both the written scriptures and the living word, who's Jesus, the word. Prayer. How are we doing with that? What does it mean? You know, the Bible says, our Father who art in heaven, Jesus taught his disciples to pray, and he said, our Father. Our means collectively. It's Yes, there's a time when we say, my Father, in personal relationship with him, but so much is rests upon a church being in a place of prayer in a corporate sense. In other words, praying together, our Father. And as I look at our church, there's a deep longing in my heart. And I cry out as Paul cried out. Uh, I stress over the fact that we do not pray together. And so many are involved in ministries even, and, 
and uh, functions in the church, but the place of corporate prayers becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. And my purpose is to encourage the church in the through th- 2019 to to change its ways, to change our ways, and to give much greater emphasis on prayer. And of course, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. His fullness in our lives. His gifts. Between now and the end of May, already we have six guest speakers scheduled to come and speak to our church primarily on the subject of prayer and the Holy Spirit. Our first meetings will begin in the middle of January with John Rodham, and he's coming here for the purpose of talking about the Holy Spirit and leading people who've never received the fullness of the Spirit in their lives to receive. And I don't know of any minister anywhere who has a greater gift than John Rodham has in order in bringing people into a, a new experience with the Holy Spirit. He's an Anglican minister and uh, just a wonderful brother. And he'll be here. And we're going to, he, he's going to be speaking to the church. He's going to be speaking to the youth. And following that, there are going to be prayer meetings for, well, we'll express more of that on the 30th. But right now, let's stand together. I know, would you come with your worship team and be prepared to close us in a song? Is there someone here this morning you would say, Bruce, um, I, I, I sort of have an understanding of Christianity, but this whole idea of having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, having him become the Savior of my life and to experience him, in the way the Bible describes. If you're here, and that's you, and you would like to just receive prayer, just hold up your hand for a moment, and we'll pray for you. Okay, yes. How many believers this morning, and I hope it's a lot of you, you'd say, wow. I haven't totally flamed out, but I'm not maintaining altitude when it comes to the life of the Spirit. And oh, how I need to be refreshed and renewed. How I need to allow Jesus to be formed in me in a way that displaces the things that are proudful or sinful or whatever else. I just need to let him grow. Would you raise your hands? Yes, yes, yes. All through this room this morning. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're present here. We thank you, O God, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that Christ is not formed in our hearts, not formed in our minds, not formed in any way, any any other way through simply our own efforts. In fact, it just doesn't happen. We can no more form Christ in our hearts than we can reach up and pull the moon down to the earth. It's beyond our reach. It's beyond the scope of what's possible. But, Holy Spirit, we thank you that Christ is formed in our hearts 
through your presence, through your power. Not by our works or striving, but by our yielding and letting. So, Lord, we yield. And we allow the Holy Spirit, we allow you, Lord, to project this church, to thrust this church into 2019 in a way where we will see the manifestation of Christ in this house in a way like we have never seen before. For we know, Lord, that that is your will. Amen.